Welcome back to the Kingdom Podcast Show. I'm your humble host, Roderick Smith, sitting here in the podcast studio today. And man, this is the day that the Lord has made. We want to rejoice and be glad in it. Such an awesome time to be alive in God's presence. Man, we have a wonderful show for you today. We're going to be talking about the influence of a kingdom man. That is a kingdom father, kingdom husband, kingdom dad. And what better way to do it than the day before Mother's Day. So we want to honor all of the mothers, all of the daughters who have become mothers. My mother has gone on to heaven, and I honor her and all she did. And so that's what being a kingdom man does. We take care of our family. In the studio today, my good friend, by divine connection that God has blessed me with, is my brother Marshall Gordon. He's here. He's going to give a testimony and just um, uh, hopefully and prayerfully uh, inform you uh, and enlighten you about what it is to be a kingdom dad, what it is to be a kingdom husband, kingdom father, and to be an influence in your community. And so he's here in the studio. So let's go into the interview right now. Welcome aboard, my brother. Hey, Brother Roger. Thanks for having me, man. Glad, glad to be Welcome. On. Yeah. Hey, uh, today uh, we're, we're going to be talking about some things uh, that I believe that our listeners uh, will be very informed about. Um, the first thing I want to just talk about today, uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, kingdom fathers and, you know, you have a lot of podcast shows that talk about kingdom fathers. So I want to kind of dissect that a little bit. Um, why do we need kingdom fathers? Uh, number one, uh, I want to give you some statistics before we go into it. Uh, statistics show that roughly 70% of all prisoners come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists come from fatherless homes. Outside of the prison, the numbers are just as high and alarming. Fatherless homes produce 71% of all high school dropouts, 63% of teen suicides. So do we need comprehensive fathers? Yes, we do. Those that are living under God's comprehensive rule. So my brother, just after hearing those statistics, um, we all come from different backgrounds. Just share with us, with our listening audience this evening, um, your journey and how, uh, you come to be the man that you are today. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. So good question. I, um, interestingly enough, I grew up, uh, without my father mm. and, you know, when I look over my life, you know, constantly I'm thanking God for just his divine intervention because I, sh I really should have been one of those statistics. Wow. You know, when you look at, the type of community that I grew up in, you look at, you know, a lot of the, the challenges that, that we face from a financial perspective, you know, my mom being a single mom, you know, having, you know, two sisters, you know, it was tough, you know, it was, it was, um, it was quite the challenge. And, and I think for me, you know, growing up without my dad and, you know, not having that, that regular male presence, especially during like, you know, those, 
early days up until like middle school and high school. Right. Um, I'll, I'll share a little bit more later, but I, I eventually moved in with my uncle. But, you know, not having my dad there, it really kind of set the tone for really what I wanted to be. You know, I tell, tell my kids, even my son, even this week, I was telling them that, you know, what motivates me is to give you what I never had and what I wish I would have had. Oh, that's know? so good. Yeah, you know, so just not not having, you know, my dad to talk to, not having, you know, that male presence, you know, mm. a man hugging me, you know, just all of that, that a dad should be there. And that's even important. The structure, mm. For sure, man, for sure. Wow. You know, discipline, all this stuff. So my a big part of, you know, my my emotional DNA, if you will, my spiritual DNA is that motivation to be for my kids what I wish I would have had. Yes. Yes. That's that's awesome right there. You know, um when we're talking about a kingdom father, kingdom dads, kingdom husband, um kind of give us uh, a definition uh, of that because there might be some men out there that just, you know, man, they don't they don't know. I counsel with a lot yeah. of guys and if you ask that question, hey, hey brother, give me a definition of a kingdom dad. A kingdom father, yeah. a kingdom man. You know, they may think about it a minute, but they really got to scramble to find a good definition because we're living in a world that don't produce kingdom stuff. So yeah. we've got to bring kingdom to the world. Yeah. So just yeah, give absolutely. us a brief definition of that. Yeah, you know, you know when I when I think about the passage where Jesus says, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done. Nice. You know, when I think about the kingdom, I think about the will of God mm. or the ways of God, the agenda yeah. of God, the ideas of God. So, you know, whatever it is that God wants, which is, you know, godliness, holiness, wisdom. So good. You know, that that is what you know, we as kingdom fathers, kingdom men, kingdom husbands, we should want whatever, you know, whatever God's priorities are. If I was just to kind of like, you know, capture and just in one essence, mm-hmm. God's will and priorities should be your will and your priorities, whatever That's that powerful. is. That's powerful. Yeah. yeah when, we, when we're talking about kingdom stuff, uh, man, what, like you said, let it be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we are to be good stewards of, you know, the family structure. Um, That's why I grew up, you know, in a fatherless home. My mom did everything. Um, She was the mother and the father. She, you know, she taught us, but there are certain things that a woman cannot teach a young man, you know, so you need people around you. And so you don't really know how to articulate um, what it is to be a real man, but it, there's something on, and, and help me out here, uh, there's something on the inside of you that know, hey, I've got to be more than what I grew up as. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I know for me, just, you know, it's funny because even as a little a little boy, I knew that it wasn't the way it was supposed to be, That's you right. know, most most of my friends that I hung out with in my neighborhood, most of them, you know, their dad wasn't really active or involved. Mm-hmm. And the, the few that, that did have their dads there, most, you know, like I said, most of us didn't. But the few that did, there was just something beautiful about it. You know, and it, for yeah. me, even as a seven, eight, nine-year-old boy, 
you know, I wanted that. Yeah. And I think, and I think that that's a godly desire that's put in us. It is. Because, you know, we are created in God's image. And I think there's a certain innate desire to see the things of God. And obviously, you know, when, when you become a Christian, for me at least, when I became a Christian, there was, there was a supernatural connection. And so my eyes were open in a supernatural way because I, I began to care about the things of God. And I, and I, I intrinsically desired the things of God in a way mm. that I didn't before. Mm-hmm. But I think even as a, on a basic human level, you know, people want to have a two parent home. They want to have a father and a mother Absolutely. They want to be nurtured and taken care of and, you know, provided for and loved on all that stuff. And so, you know, I think it's a beautiful thing when, when a person understands, you know, number one, you know, what does it mean to be a kingdom man, but then, you know, pursue that. That is so good. So good. You know, I was thinking about the proverb 27 and 17, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. You know, there's something inside of every uh, young man that um, he wants to be whatever the environment is around him. And why am I saying this? Because that's the importance of the kingdom family to create an atmosphere in the household so that that young man doesn't have to look outside of the household for that right. love, that hug, as you said, because right. it get everything it needs from the nucleus within. And so that's, that's right. why the, the kingdom dad, the kingdom father, husband, all of that, because it's important, even those of us who are married, you know, our wives, they, you know, they come before our, our children, you know, because we had the wife before right, the children. Right. And so she is to be nurtured, you know, that's right. and that's important. That's part of being that kingdom man, because, you know, much given much is required. That's right. That's right. And, and that, that's so important. You know, I was thinking about also Proverbs uh, thirteen twenty, uh, whoever walks with the wise become wise right but the companion of fools will suffer harm you know mm, that's right that environment right. it goes back to that environment and i i, I kind of want to shift gears here and just show um let's talk about the importance of balancing and like i said you, you much is given much is required but there has to be balance balancing the workflow a lot of men that i talk to um i have guys that i work with you know their their work life and their home life and the things that they do for their children uh Mm -hmm. the activities even church all of this has to be at a balance it can't be lopsided so uh just talk about some things uh that you do uh, as a kingdom man that balances out your struggles and, and things where you're yeah. trying to uh, meet God's standards while also satisfying the needs of your wife, your children, your church, your job. Let's talk about something like that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. You know, first, let me just say it is a challenge. Mm. And I, of all people, I recognize the challenge. And I think you know, not having my dad there when I was growing up Mm -hmm. and just the challenges that we had financially, you know, not, you know, being able to do some of the things that the other kids in the schools could do, you know, really because of a financial um, shortage. And so, 
what what that did to me is it created in me this desire to be a provider for my family, which in and of itself, I think is a noble, godly, God-honoring desire to be a provider, to take care of your family. There's nothing wrong with that. So I don't want to you know what I'm about to say. I don't. I don't want to be misunderstood, right? Because I think that's a good thing. But that desire, as it has in my life at times, it can it can get distorted, and mm. and it can take an unhealthy um, centerfold or centerpiece in your life where you're sitting up there saying to yourself, um, you know, providing for my family is what makes me a man. Or providing for my family is above all else. It's more important than anything else. Mm -hmm. And for me, a lot of it was, it it was, it was grown out of the pain of not having a provider. It made me say, man, my family's not going to go through that. My family's not going to have a shortage financially. We're not going to struggle. We're not Mm going to be poor, you know, that type of thing. Which again, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be a provider, but you have to make sure that your priorities are in order because what will happen is your kids will resent you for it. Your yeah. wife will resent you for it right. because they, at the end of the day, um, what's most important to them is your love. And That's it's, so it's good. your, that attention that they get from you is way more important than those things that you can buy for them or the things that you're thinking you're providing for them. Right. What's way more important is, is that. And so, how does that happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, principally speaking, you have to have your priorities in check. Okay. Wow. You know, you can't, don't, don't do what I did as a young man early on in my young adult life where some of my identity was wrapped up in being a provider. Mm. And, you know, and, and it made me to the point, you know, I'm the number one sales rep at this, you know, large insurance firm because you know, I'm trying to provide for my family. I wanted my family to have nice things. I want to take care of my family. And so I worked myself really too much, you know, wow. because um, really, again, born out of that pain of, you know, not having a provider, I went to another extreme, which still wasn't the kingdom way. And it still wasn't, you know, God's way. Right. So I would caution someone to make sure that, you know, from a principal's perspective, you have to have your priorities in check. You have to first understand that your identity is not wrapped up in what you do. It's not wrapped up in what you provide. Mm. Your identity is wrapped up in the fact that you are a child of God. There and it that is. is enough. There that it is. is enough. You are a child of God. God loves you and his love is perfect. It can't improve upon itself. It's not like there's something that I can do more to get better in mm. terms of uh, get more of God's love. God's love is perfect. Mm. So his love doesn't, it doesn't need to improve upon itself. He loves me with a perfect love just as I am, as his child. Mm. And knowing that, I find peace in knowing that, you know what, I don't have to jump on this performance treadmill mm. and start, you know, trying to do jump through all the hoops and do the backwards flips to get God to love me. Why? He already loves me with a perfect love because uh, I'm his child. And so that's enough. And that's, that gives me peace in knowing that no matter what happens, I'm loved by God. And that's something that doesn't change. So it's not like, you know, you know, your kids could be moody, you know, one week yeah. to the next. That can change. You know, yeah. Your kids could be in a bad mood because you didn't get them ice cream or whatever it may be. Right. But God's love doesn't change. And so 
understanding your priorities, that's, that's critical. And on a practical level, what I would say is, is sitting down and writing out a schedule. Because, you know, one of the things that I try to do every quarter is kind of write a schedule, you know, for the fall, you know, for the summer, the spring, and, and looking at how I'm spending my time, making sure that I'm spending enough time with my wife, which is first and, and foremost, number one priority is the time that I spend with her. Um, my wife and I, we, for, just as an example, we go on a date night every week. That's um, good. Every week. Every week we go on a date. And sometimes the date is to a really, really nice restaurant and, you know, probably spend more money than we should. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the date is to Sonic to get a $3 drink. Simple. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. so it's just, it doesn't, you know, but it's, but what, what it is, is it's regular alone time that we spend together, that we've made it a priority because that's a part of our schedule. I take my kids, my daughters, I take them on a date. Um, not every week with my daughters, but I do take them on a date pretty regularly. That's awesome. And then just, and just, just regular time with my kids. I, I'm the one that's doing a lot of their coaching and stuff and personal training. Right. So that's a little bit kind of a cool little dynamic that I have with them. But just making sure that my schedule reflects my priority. Okay. So if I have certain priorities, I want to make sure that I put those in my schedule. The things that are not priorities, I, you know, I have to say no when people reach out to me and call me or, Hey, can we do this? If, if it, if it interferes with my priorities, then I got to say no. And I think understanding that number one, you know, I do want to raise kids who love God, who love, you know, uh, want to be used of God and to be solid people, people of character. And that takes time. You know, it takes time to pour into them and to mentor them, to invest them. And so, um, so again, I would say, how do you balance it? Number one, you got to know your priorities and stick that. And then number two, I would just say on a practical level, having a having a schedule that you lay out and make sure that that schedule reflects your priorities. That's so good. That's so good. You know, there are some pitfalls that uh, a lot of men fall into. I was listening to what you mm-hmm. were saying there, your scheduling, um, your priorities. But there are some pitfalls that men fall into chasing that dollar you know what i'm saying yeah. i gotta be the provider oh, yeah. I, i've got to do this i've got to you know and there's a pitfall and satan knows this and yeah. so like you said we've got to learn how to say no to some things yeah because if we don't that is the pitfalls that we will fall into and yeah. you can easily get off track of that schedule you were talking about uh, yeah. by overloading i think that is a lot of the men and i don't think we really do it intentionally but a lot of times we'll we'll find ourselves in a position where like you said we want to do more and have more right right the pressure right. of our environment it caters to that oh yeah you know most jobs a lot of jobs nowadays if you work if you can work the more hours they want you to work the more hours. <laughs> right, right. You know, right. and that takes away from your family and so many sure. other things that can be added into that category. So uh, thank you for sharing each one of those and breaking it down so eloquently so that the listeners can hear it. Because, like I said, there are a lot of men who can't articulate that they can't you know, understand that, you know, hey, I need to spend some time with my children today. Right. Hey, I need to take some time, spend some time with my wife today. Hey, I need to right. take some time to spend with myself. Self-care right. is good. 
Right. Self-care. Um, what are ways that you do self-care? Because for a kingdom man, that's important. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I think one of the biggest things that we all have to do if we want to, number one, get connected to God is you have to spend time in prayer. You have to spend time reading, reflecting on what the scriptures say. Mm-hmm. And, and I tell people not even just, um, you know, and I don't want to get too deep into this, but just really reflecting on the message of God. And I, and I believe that the way God communicates to us best is through his word. It's through the written word. It's through Absolutely. the Bible. Um, you know, when I was in college, you know, one of the things that radically, you know, transformed the way I look at the world was I was, I became a Christian when I was, um, right before I got to college, I was 18 and, uh, went to college, played football at the University of Tulsa and a football scholarship. Mm -hmm. And there was a guy who came in, he was working with a campus ministry at the time and he came into the football team and he, he, um, and I remember I was just, you know, baby Christian, had just given my life to Christ. Mm. Um, you know, even though I grew up in church and had heard, you know, mm. sort of heard the gospel, I had never really understood that when what Christ did on the cross was enough to pay for my sins, past, present, and future forever. So and that if I just received that gift and trust in, in his work, his, his death, burial, and his resurrection, that God would forgive me for everything. Um, I, I had never really understood that. And when I came to understand that, I was 18. Um, and then when I got to college, got connected with a guy, his name was Ted. And um, like I said, he was working for campus ministry. He, you know, he, he was assigned to the football team. And so he came in and I still to this day remember he passed out these cards and he told the whole group, he said, there's about probably eight of us, 80 of, 80 of us. And he said, you know, academics are important. Football is important, but there's only one thing that's going to last forever, and that's your soul. That's your relationship with God. That that yep. that sort of thing. And and I I remember I just raised my hand like, yep, give me that card because he was basically <laughs> saying, does anybody want to get involved in Bible study or want me to meet with you and that type of thing? And so I I checked all the yes 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 on all the the boxes on the little card that he was passing out. And so that was the beginning of the relationship that started with Ted for me. And Ted mentored me while I was in college. Wow. And the thing that I think impacted me the most was whenever we, we began meeting like every week and sometimes two or three times a week. But whenever I had a question about anything, and I'm talking, there was a time that I was thinking about quitting the football team. I was, wow. you know, sometimes I was dealing with, you know, relationship issues. Um, school issues, you know, just whatever it was, he always would pull out this little pocket New Testament, mm. and he all. And it, it was funny because it wasn't a full Bible because I always fed in his back pocket, but it was right. New Testament Psalms and Proverbs, and he always had an answer that came from a, a Bible verse, biblical, and <laughs> <laughs> and for me, it did something to me because I started connecting the dots. From a from a worldview standpoint, I started realizing that wow, this this book you know that that's called the Bible right. really is God's word. There really is wisdom that's actually relevant for me as a 19, 20 year old young man in college. Um, he it was I mean the answers were always right on time. 
and it was always something that he could, you know, he would expound on, you know, what the, the, the verse meant Absolutely. and just help me, you know, see the, the application to my life. But that shaped me and it really began to help me have a appreciation for the scriptures and have a biblical worldview. And mm. because of that, that's what began to, to grow in me, this desire and this hunger to know God more, to, to live my life in light of what his word says, to connect with him. And that's what I'm saying, you know, just to your point, to your question of connecting with God, it starts with um, understanding his word, understanding his will, understanding yeah. his ways. You know, it's like you could just sense God, you know, his cologne. You know, it's like, you know, right. this is of God. This smells like God. Oh, this is not of God. This doesn't smell like God. And so yeah. I think connecting with God through his word, um, spending some time alone, even just sometimes just from a from a standpoint of, of um, just getting away from yeah. the responsibilities that you have. Yeah, just, just having that time to yourself to chill, whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, you, you have to do it because, you know, my, my, my friend used to say, if your output exceeds your input, mm. then your upkeep will be your downfall. Wow, okay? that's true. So if your output exceeds your input, your upkeep will be your downfall. That's true. That's true. And, you know, just hearing you say that, you know, that even does something for me. And I pray that there's a man that is out there that is needing to hear that because sometimes we're so hard on ourselves and we're not falling in the categories of being that kingdom father like we think yeah. we should be. But uh, I always tell people little progress is big progress. You know, yeah. a lot yeah, of this absolutely. stuff you don't learn overnight. Right, right. Consistency. And That's right. That's pers- right. being persistent is very, very important. And so um, just knowing that taking care of that self-care and hearing from God, meditating on God's word, that's important. That way yeah. you can go and be that part of that iron sharpens iron to be that man who was there in your locker room, who talked to you about the God and about relationships and always yeah. had a word brought the word of God. Wasn't his. That's right. Brought the word of God, showed you what the word said. That's right. And gave right. you a choice to make. That's right. That's what's important, man. Um, oh yeah. So just, uh, just, uh, in the last part of this segment, man, just, uh, just pour out, uh, to, to the fellows, man, that might be listening. Um, we're still talking about the turnaround for you, Marshall Gordon, the turnaround for you. Uh, what are some things that uh, give us an instance to where uh, everything just started to sink in as of what God's word? Because every man have that moment to where yeah. everything that you heard, whether it was your mother, your father, pastor, whatever, that moment when everything starts to sink in, you'd be like, Okay, God, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, I, I think you know I've had I've had um, I would say different moments throughout my walk with Christ. You know, I I became a Christian in 1994, mm. um, and so there've been different stages of my life and different nuances throughout that time. I think the very first time it, things began to click because I grew up going to church. I tell people. 
I grew up in a church going home, mm. but I didn't really grow up in a Christian home. Absolutely. And and that's, that's, that's not, there's no disrespect to my mom or anything right, like right. that. I think my mom was doing the best she could. Um, we were, you know, we were somewhat religious and we did the church thing, but I wouldn't say that there was, I did at least for me, I didn't really have a relationship with Christ. I didn't have a relationship with God. I was, um, you know, I was just going to church because that's what, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. Right. Um, as, as I got older and I had an opportunity to, you know, not go to church per se and, you know, do my own thing. Um, that's when I began to kind of, you know, find myself floating out there. And I, like I said, I became a Christian when I was 18. Um, and for the first time I heard and I understood the gospel. Mm. Um, and then when I got to college and mm. got plugged in with the same ministry from uh, with Ted and the, the ministry he was involved with, um, it was during that time in college when I feel like I understood my purpose. You know, where it was, you know, not just to go to church, not just to um, be a quote unquote good Christian, mm. but to be what's called a laborer for Christ. You know, That's the harvest it. is plentiful, but the laborers are few is what um, the Bible says. And so that was when I really gained a heart to really give my life, you know, yeah. to, to God, not just from the standpoint of. Um, receiving Christ, but just to say that my life belongs to God and whatever it is that he wants from me, I'm going to do that as an act of worship. And and that's not something I've done perfectly, but that's been kind of what's driven me is to say, man, I, I do want to hear God say, you know, well done, my yeah. good and faithful servant. Um, you know, I've, I've, given you this life to steward. Mm. I've given you certain gifts. I've given you certain resources. I've given you certain relationships. And it's your responsibility to use those gifts, those relationships, those resources to bring glory to me, to help other people come to know who I am. Because at the end of the day, um, that's what really matters, you know? And I think for me, the first time that that, that really clicked was when I was in college. Um, and there have been times in my life where um, my priorities have gotten out of whack mm-hmm. and God has, God has had to, you know, get my attention and shake me up. Um, you know, I think, you know, to your point, you know, when I was, you know, my late, maybe mid thirties, you know, I was working for a, um, I don't want to say any names, but I was working for a pretty popular insurance firm okay. and had gotten to a place in my career where I was literally breaking sales records. Like, you know, they would come to me almost every week. So, oh my gosh, no one has ever done this. And, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, it makes you feel good. For me, I was just trying to provide for my family. I was just, I really could care. I didn't care anything about the the awards and all that kind of stuff, but I really was trying to provide for my family. So I was working like a dog, uh, working long hours, you know, doing everything that it took to just really grind, grind, grind. And at the end of the day, my relationship with my kids was suffering, you know, and you're talking several months to go by and here you are pouring your, your heart and soul into something that's really not your purpose. Um, because at the end of the day, if it's, if it's detrimental to your family, Mm -hmm. then it's not what God wants anyway. And Mm -hmm. so I've had to find that balance. And, you know, as we talked about, and that's, 
and just the pain of the challenges that have come from that have helped me to be balanced in my life. And, and I feel like I'm a lot, lot better now, but um, I know. And I think if I, if I could say this to um, any of the men that are listening, please do. I think understanding your purpose and your identity is not wrapped up in some job, you know, wow. whether, you know, whether, you know, you're, you're, it's, you're doing well at your job, whether you're not doing well, maybe it's not the job you feel like you should have. That's good. Your identity and your purpose is not wrapped up in that job. Your identity and purpose is wrapped up in the fact that you've been created in the mm. image of God and you are a glorious creation. If you read Psalm 8, um, the psalmist, I love how the psalmist asked the question, what is man that you are mindful of him? And it's almost like the psalmist is just stepping back and just like mind boggled at the glory of man that God has bestowed on these human creatures. Like, wow, mm. that you, made, you made him a little lower than the angels. That's good. You know, when I look at this, all of this glorious creation, the sun, the moon, the stars, like, what is man that you are mindful of him, that you take thought of him, that, that he is at the forefront of your mind. And when you understand that that is, you know, where you are in mm. the, the ranking system of God, God sees you as the crown of his creation. You are beautiful and glorious and splendid just as you are, not because of anything within you other than the fact that you are created in his image. That is enough. And Praise God. A job that's going to come and go that no one's going to care about a hundred years from now means nothing. But wow. who you are as God's creature, as, as the man created in his image, that is what is most important. That is what is beautiful. That is what is glorious. And that is what your identity should be based on because that's what settles you. That's what, that's what gives me an anchor in knowing that when the good and the bad times, may, they may come, at the end of the day, I belong to God. I am his and he wow. is mine. Wow. So beautifully said, man. I'm telling you, uh, I pray that there are men out there that just heard those words, inspiring words that you just said, because you said a lot of great things that men need to hear. Um, being a kingdom man is an individual thing, and you need to know who you are as an individual. You need to know yep. that. Men need to know. I taught a Bible study uh, a couple of years ago, and the name of the title of the Bible study was, Man, Do You Know Who You Are? Very powerful because, yeah. uh, like you said, a lot of us, we know that we're the CEO at the company. We know that we're the truck driver. We know that we're the insurance salesman. We know that yeah. we're married to our beautiful wife. We know, but who are you? At right. the end of the day, who are you? Because you retire from the job. Right, you're no longer right. with the company anymore, so you can't identify right. yourself as being that company guy. You right, know, right. things happen, but we need to know who we are. You know, uh, a quote from Dr. Tony Evans, um, I was reading, and it says this. It says, your destiny as kingdom men isn't only to be different, but also to make a difference. Yep. It's your responsibility to take That's your right. influence beyond the scope of your home and That's into right. the world. That's right. Kingdom That's right. men go public. That's right. That's right. That's yeah. Right. I Absolutely. love that. I love that. 
I love that because, and that's true. When we know who we are, we're more than just, you know, here as family men, that's important. That is key. But if we're going to be that iron that sharpens iron, if we're going to be that influence, which is what God is calling us to be, because the world, I mean, Satan goes to and fro the earth seeking whom he may devour. Right. And, man, there are a lot of people fall and pray because they don't know who they are. So it's easily to become conformed to this world. Right. And so, uh, brother, I thank you for all of your rich, you know, um, explaining of what a kingdom man is like, what a kingdom father is like in children, having children, because, you know, even raising children, each one of our children are different. Right. Right. And we're one you have to pour out a little bit more, you know, discipline. The other one you don't. Well, one you have to pour out a little bit more love. It, right. and it, it, you know, you got to know how to balance it. And so right. that's right. important. And it all comes from being a comprehensive man because, you know, God loves us individually. That's right. You know, that's right. Uh, you know, and I love that because of our shortcomings. None of us yeah. are perfect. We all have issues. We're all struggling with something. And uh, just because you're going through something, you're not the only one. There's somebody else right. that has a problem just a little bit deeper than yours. And God loved right. them, too. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So. That's good. Brother, um, we're coming to a close. Why don't you pray for the men who are yeah. those guys who are struggling right now? Uh, yeah. Say a prayer that will that will touch their lives, and and I know somebody will hear this, and when they hear it, there's that light that went off in your head so many years ago, which turned your life around, and now you have a beautiful family, beautiful home, mm-hmm. doing well, business. There's somebody that God has spoken life into them, but yeah. because of the choices they've made. Things hadn't quite gone exactly like it should have to plan. And so many times the prayer of faith spoken and breathed from the mouth of God to those even using platforms like this is effective because it's the prayers of the righteous that availeth much. So say a prayer for those gentlemen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if I could, let me just say this real quick. Yes, help yourself. um, You know, the book of James, you know, God says that, you know, he resists the proud, but Mm. he gives grace to the humble. He's opposed to the proud. And that that word resist or oppose, it's actually a military term. If you you look it up, you know, it's almost like he's in opposition Mm. to those who are uh, prideful. Mm-hmm. Or a man who's in it, who has a prideful disposition, or his heart is, um, you know, not receiving the grace of God. So you want, you want to first, and, and I've been there. I know what that's like, mm-hmm. and that's something that I have to regularly check in my own life is to not be missing out on the grace of God, which I believe the grace of God is, you know, it is His undeserved kindness in the general sense. It's unmerited favor, but it it is the supernatural power to do his will that's why it says he gives more grace you yeah. know so that we can so that we can do what he wants us to do 
And so my point is, if you if you find yourself, you know, not having the power, the energy, the motivation, what you need to do, mm. what God wants you to do, or to be the person that you know God wants you to be, then the first thing you have to do is you have to humble yourself. Um, you have to humble yourself because God is opposed to the proud, meaning he's in opposition, like a, like a military um, prop. He's in opposition to you, but he gives grace to the humble. That's why Paul said in Corinthians that he beseeched the Lord to, um, you know, three times. He said, yep. you know, God, take this away from me. And, and, and he said that God gave him that revelation and it was a powerful revelation yeah. that his grace is sufficient. He said, that's why he says, therefore, I'll boast in my infirmities and in my calamities, my problems, my troubles, mm. my whatever, because, you know, when I'm weak, when I'm willing to acknowledge yeah. that I in and of myself and in my own strength, mm. I don't have it. That's when you get the supernatural power of God. My and that's God. when... When, that's when you have the ability to do and be that man that you want to be. Mm. And when you try to do it in your own strength, which, which I have done, I have we tried all, to do it in my <laughs> own strength. Yes, sir. It does not work. It does not, not for the long haul. It you will have not. To be, you have to have a, a disposition that is humble, ready to receive, willing to receive, and trusting God. And when you do that, that's when you have power. That's when you have the supernatural energy, the grace of God to be the man that God called you to be, to, to do the things that God called you to do. But let me let me go ahead and pray for us. And um, and I just want to say thanks again for, for having me. Brother. Absolutely, Thank brother. You. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Father, we just want to just pause and say that we love you. And we yes. thank you for loving us first. We thank you for giving us the greatest gift uh, that you could give us, and that is your son. Your yes. son, he died for us, that we might have life forever. And he redefined death. He made it so that we do not have to die. We do not stay dead because of what he's done. And Lord, we first and foremost want to thank you for the work of Christ, and we thank you for who he is and what he's done. But I also want to thank you for the supernatural power that you give us by your spirit, to carry out the, the will of God, the priorities of God, the kingdom of God. Yes, Father, God. we cannot do this in our own strength, but we know that with your help, yes, when God. we trust in you, when we humble ourselves, we have that supernatural power, that energy, that unction from your spirit to do the things that you want us to do and to be the men that you want us to be. Yes, God. My Father, I do pray right now for my brothers, maybe those who may be struggling, maybe yes. they're struggling with um, personal challenges, That's emotional it. challenges, relationship challenges, financial challenges. Lord, I pray that whatever it is that they may be struggling with, that they would surrender it to you. Yes, and Father, God. I pray that they would take you at your word when you tell us to cast all our care mm. on you because you care for us, that they would lay that at your feet and yes. trust you to be the good God that you are. I have seen time and time again, not only in my own life, but in the lives of many others. I've seen yes, you Jesus. deliver men, and I've seen you protect men, and I've seen you give wisdom to men. I've seen you provide for men. I've seen yes. you give guidance to men simply because they said, God, I cannot do it. Mm. I need your help. Yes, so, God. Father, I pray for those brothers right now who 
Maybe they have been trying to do it in their own strength. They've been trying to lift that heavy weight without a spot. And mm. Father, right now, they need you. So Father, I pray that you would be that supernatural spotter. Yes, and Lord, God. you would help them to lift that weight, and that you would lift it for them, that they would see that you are the God who provides. You are the God yes, who Jesus. guides. You are the God who gives wisdom. And Father, I pray that they would look to you and not to themselves. Father, heal those who need to be healed. Father God, I pray for those maybe uh, men, these brothers who grew up without dads, like I did. Maybe they're resentful. They're yes, angry. God. They're hurting because their dads did not do the things that they wanted them to do. But Father, I pray that you would help them to release that to you and just to trust in you and yes, to say, God. you know what? I'm going to be the man that I wish my father would have been. That's and Father, good. I pray that you would help them understand that the legacy that they can leave their own kids, their own families for generations to come. It starts with them, but it starts with them when they look to you. So Father, give them the humility that they need to receive your grace so that they can be the men that you want them to be and they can do the work that you've called them to. Father, we give this time to you. We pray that you would multiply it and use it for your glory, for your kingdom, because you are good and you are worthy of everything that we are and everything that we do. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you. Thank you, brother. Man, that was a beautiful prayer, beautiful interview. Thank you for the acceptance, uh, for sharing your life uh, with our listening audience. I believe that there's fire in the soul now, and uh, hopefully somebody will get delivered and and write the show and say, hey, man, I got saved (laughs) on the Kingdom Podcast show. That'd be uh, awesome. And I believe that it will, uh, man. But thank you so much. Uh, we're getting ready to get out of here, everybody. Uh, I pray and hope that everyone will have an amazing week. Uh, take care of those mothers on Sunday. Happy Mother's Day to all of them. Uh, know that God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? So we love you. We thank you, my brother. Thank you so much. God bless you and your family richly. Awesome. All right.